What a crazy week in pro wrestling. As always, the Slam is here to talk about it. A nice, casual conversation. It's your boy Ango, King Cola. What up, bro? How's everything going? I'm so dead. <laughs> last last so... night, last night was rough, huh? Thank God there was no pay per view or something to watch because Jesus. Yeah, I man. was. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta live, dude. You gotta. You gotta. Sometimes you just have to turn off wrestling for a day and just get out. You know. I'm I'm good for a few days, maybe a whole year. Yeah, I'm with you. I need to recover. Time for recovery. What better way to recover than Monday Night Raw, NXT, Dynamite, Impact, Dark, back, SmackDown, Rampage. Back to square one. Back to square one. Dude, so last week was pretty damn insane. We're start we're we're actually starting to to see the fallout a little bit too with uh with all the drama that went down in AEW. And it, and it's kind of crazy because when you look at our last episode or our first episode of the slam, it was right before we really saw everything that kind of unfolded with AEW. And I don't want to talk too much about the drama. It's obviously been a big topic and we're still waiting for things to clear with the investigation, but um, just kind of like in general, what are, what are your thoughts now that we've actually like had some time pass and you know, we got fights breaking out backstage and then that shit carried over into the UFC. Like everybody's like, <laughs> I don't yeah, know, man. It's crazy. What a time to be alive. 2022 has been a hell of a year for wrestling, huh? AEW hit up Dana White, and they were like, hey, here's how to, here's how to get some more draws. <laughs> they staged that backstage fight. But yeah. whatever. I mean, I think it's... I still stand by my, by my point where I said um, I don't really like CM Punk's attitude. I think it's very, very immature, and I still put him to blame over everything. Uh, from what I've been seeing the young bucks went over to the locker room where punk was staying with the head of legal and uh punk allegedly states that they kicked the door down and you're with the head of legal you're not going to do anything belligerent or anything to cause any harm right so i i just think it's all blown out of proportion i think the guy's got an attitude problem for sure and i guess since the sus suspensions are taking place i think it's just about time before somebody ends up leaving now who do you think ends up going in this situation well it's either it's either punk or the bucks now do you lose two more evps or do you lose punk um i think i think uh let me let me see punk's gonna tell tony khan hey if these guys don't leave i'll leave tony khan's gonna be put in a horrible situation uh they're gonna end up keeping the title on Punk for the next 57 years. He's going to screw over all of the other top talent, and everyone's just going to end up leaving one by one if they keep Punk. My you, opinion, Punk should leave. You got to remember, though, the title's been vacated. So Yeah, but now when he comes back from suspension, they're going to give it back to him. If AEW pulls that, I don't know how much I can watch that because at that point, like, you got to move forward. And last week's Dynamite, man, it just kind of felt like it felt like a soft reset, you know, and we were talking about it on my live stream. Like it kind of felt like Tony Khan may have been listening to Ango on YouTube because I had talked about a lot of things that needed to be, that needed to be addressed. And one of those things were like Wardlow, right? Like his booking post the title, it was like terrible booking. Like they didn't make this guy feel like a, a big star. And then, you know, they're starting to do some stuff with him. And I don't know. I just felt like uh, if they continue to develop stories and make everybody feel important to the show, like they'll be fine without the Bucks, without Punk. I, my only my only stance that changed was Kenny Omega because as more stories come out, it appears that Kenny Omega 
really didn't have that much involvement in this situation as a lot of people are saying um i don't know if you heard the story but like i guess one of the like there was a dog running around backstage and kenny was trying to be a good a good man and uh he went to go save the dog and then you know dude it's crazy too because in this world with social media and reddit and all of these things there was some stuff where it was like the dog bit kenny omega like it wasn't a steal or something so I don't know. But how can you not tell the difference between a human bite and a dog bite? Uh, dude, it's just stupid internet talk. Yeah, this is like all over the place. It's unfortunate too because with all the negativity that's surrounding AEW right now, it overshadows a lot of the good that they could be doing. And uh, that's where I was actually a little bit more impressed with Tony this past week because I seen him, you know, he made the announcement and a lot of people were complaining like, oh, he didn't even acknowledge why everything was vacated or whatever. It's just... At this point, like AEW's got to get back on track. There's never been a better time to do it. I know a lot of people are going to kind of criticize and complain like, oh, you can't lose the EVPs. You can't lose CM Punk. It's all about money. You got to turn this into an angle where it makes money. And I understand that argument, but ultimately too, it's a very bad statement to make if your EVPs are getting in backstage altercations. It's also a really bad statement to make when, when you're rewarding CM Punk for his behavior because... One thing, like you said, like, oh, if CM Punk gets the belt back, like, the reason why I'm not interested in that is because that's a slap in the face to all the young people in that company that have been working so damn hard to make this company into something and to reward him for what? Like, I get it. Like, the guy the guy is a good business asset to AEW and to Tony Khan, but some things in life are more important than business. And I know it's really tough saying that because... Obviously, as a business person, you kind of have to put away like personal feelings. You just got to do like you got to do what's best for business. And it's just a strange, strange situation on their hands. I hope like they could just like move on from this and just I've been very, very much in the argument of like, hey, if you got to get rid of the bucks, if you got to get rid of CM Punk and all those guys are gone, like that's cool. Maybe Kenny Omega should stay. I mean, I guess we'll see kind of what comes from the investigation and we'll see what's made public too. Cause that's another thing like Tony Khan, I feel like AEW specifically, right. And when you look at the Melters and the Sean Ross saps of the world, like I just think there's certain information that they want out there. And then obviously there's certain information that they don't want out there. And I'm not taking, like, I'm not taking shots at Dave or Sean. I think they, they do a great job in their respective ways of getting information out there. But I think if you're AEW, if you truly don't want something out there, you're going to make sure it doesn't get out there, right? And uh, that, that's what intrigues me the most. Like, what's next? What's going to be made public? Are we actually going to get the answers people want? Or is it going to be a very subtle, um, you know, is it going to be a very subtle, uh, like, all right, let's kind of forget about this, move on, and no mention of it type of thing? I like what they did so far where it was kind of just soft-spoken, and it's like, all right, these titles are vacated. We're going to be holding tournaments and whatnot. And then they had the trios tag match. I like that um, because if they would have just aired it out, like, we, we already know. Like, we all know what happened. And if they go ahead on social media or on TV and start broadcasting, hey, well, here's what happened. And... uh you know, these guys are suspended and we're vacating the titles. It makes it a little bit worse if they start to air it out. For sure. So I think I like how they just kind of just, okay, they're vacated. Uh, we're going to be holding more matches to determine the new champs. And that that's a lot better, in my opinion, than just being... Because I feel like if they would have said something like, oh, these guys are suspended, there was a backstage thing, blah, blah, blah. It would kind of be turned into an angle off the start. 
And I, I honestly think we are going to see an angle on this just because, because of the star power it has. Uh, it, it'll end up turning into an angle at some point, no matter how much these guys hate each other. They might not even hate each other. It's probably just a disagreement. They're like, you know what? Like, and they just, you know, just start fighting. But who, who knows? I think it's uh, still stupid on both parties. But Yeah, well. it definitely wasn't a good look. It's obviously nothing new to the wrestling industry for things like this to happen. I think obviously the big, the big uh, wild card in this situation is obviously you got EVPs who are involved in this situation. And I think that's it's just such a bad look for AEW. If all of this is truly legit and like at this point, I'm not even really questioning it. I, I think it's kind of foolish to question if it's a work or a shoot. I, I see a lot of fans doing that, but I just think it's such a, such a shitty thing to see your EVPs getting in that type of behavior. And you know, it's like, I, I genuinely like the bucks too. Um, I think they, you know, I, I see a lot of people are mixed reactions with them, but I think they, you know, Forget about internet talk. I just think for what they present to AEW as a tag team, like they understand their audience. They understand what they're doing. And it and it always pisses me off too because it's like in the beginning, one of the biggest things I hated about AEW was having active talent as EVPs. But that was one of the drawing points for, for Tony Khan to really make sure these guys don't sign with WWE. A lot of wrestling fans forgot that the Elite Bullet Club, like they were set to invade WrestleMania a few years yeah. back. Like that yeah, was a real I just, thing. I don't really like the. I I get what you're saying, and I understand why they would appoint them as EVPs. I just don't know why your talent would be the EVPs. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So if you were if you were going to restructure, because I I had a conversation on my live stream, and one of the things I said was like, okay, you know, Chris Jericho has pretty much accomplished everything he needed to accomplish. Um, it's not a bad idea for him to win this tournament. You can have. Him and Brian Danielson go to the final, uh, not finals, but they can go to one of them could go to the finals. One of them can win the belt and then they could kind of create that top level feud. And then after that, Chris Jericho maybe passing the title down to Daniel Garcia. There's like some storylines there. And I was thinking like, okay, maybe Chris Jericho can end up winning the belt one more time, pass the torch to Daniel Garcia. And that, that would be like this great reset for AEW to move forward. Have Chris Jericho assume one of the EVP positions. You could put in Arn Anderson or Jerry Lynn or some of these veterans that are backstage already in like a coaching capacity. And then this way you have no active talent as EVPs, but then you have people there. William Regal is another name that gets brought up too. You have a whole bunch of veterans who really understand AEW's mission. They understand what AEW needs to do to move forward. Like, if you were restructuring the company right now, maybe it involves Chris Jericho, maybe it doesn't, but what would you in that case? What would you do in that case? Because Tony Khan clearly can't do it all by himself. You know, it's, it's a very tough task, especially for a billionaire who's running several businesses at the same time. What, what would you kind of do to shift the future of AEW? I just think it's very corrupt because you got two of the, the biggest talent on your roster as the EVPs, and it's like it's their way or the highway. So if the Bucks don't get something their way, they're like, oh yeah, we're gone. You, so you lost two talent and two EVPs. I feel like they got, they've got Tony Khan by the balls. So if, if, if they don't book it for in their favor, then they're like, all right, we'll see about this. That's, that's sad, man. That, that's the sad thing of this all, and that, that goes back to the structure of AEW from when it launched. Because, again, it was a very big bargaining chip for Tony Khan to bring them in. Because otherwise, who knows 
what it would have looked like with Cody, Page, the Bucks, Kenny, all in WWE. Especially, you know, when they publicly talked about it, like their discussions with Hunter were really good. They had a really big plan for the for the year. Um, they were very close to signing, and then they obviously got the call about AEW. It just kind of makes you think, like, what would wrestling have looked like, you know, 2019 to now if AEW didn't have the Bucks, if they didn't have Cody, if they didn't have Kenny, if they didn't have CM Punk? Like, what Impact. type of company? You think so? Impact ROH. That's maybe I'd, I'd say like Impact. Now, if if the Bucks and Kenny still good wrestling. Yeah. Still good shows. Just not as big. Not as big. You think they would still be selling out the big arenas? No. Really? No, you can't because who's gonna draw? Guys like MJF? You don't you don't think only MJF on TV every single week? Rampage and Dynamite? And the pay per views? Yeah. I mean like it's not even like, no, you can't even compare it to like Roman because there's other stars. You can sell out a pay-per-view or a regular show without, without Roman Reigns. But like who else does AEW have besides MJF? Like Chris Jericho, that's a household name, but like... Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, Jericho. I mean, granted, we're, we're talking back in 2019 though. You yeah, know, oh, yeah, yeah. Moxley and Brian well, Danielson, it was a very, you know, as far as them so coming in. Daniel Bryan's, Brian Danielson... You keep getting that name messed up. Yeah, Brian Danielson. He would have still stayed. He would have stayed in the WWE. You think? You don't think he yeah. would have ever jumped over? No, because all the guys would be over here. Yeah, but the only thing that you got to remember too is Tony Khan. Still, no matter what, had a big budget, so he still could have been. He probably would have been the guy. Unfortunately, with Brian in AEW right now, he doesn't feel like the guy. No, he's just a. He's just a dude. He's putting on good performances, but like it doesn't feed it doesn't feed him anything. Like when you jump ship to a company, you're like, if you go to the rival company, you're automatically presumed to be like the next big thing. Yeah, that's that hasn't been the case. The only thing that's worked with was uh, John Moxley. What do you what do you think of John Moxley in AEW? I like it personally. I like it. It's you, not that bad. Do you feel like he's better in AEW, or do you think he was better as Dean Ambrose in WWE? Oh, uh, AEW. Yeah. Because, I mean, his singles run. Look at it, dude. You, do you think, if the time ever comes, I don't think it'll happen. I think he's going to be in AEW for the foreseeable future. But do you think if the time comes, Triple H will try to bring the John Moxley character to WWE? Uh, no, I don't think it fits. I don't think it's, um, it fits their target audience. Same thing with MJF. As much as I would love to see him in WWE, I don't think it fits their target audience. Yeah. Uh, WWE is more of that that drama and the the soap opera type of thing. AEW is where the hardcore guys, you know, all the hardcore fans are, are watching that. Yeah. I mean, it's like we'll just for example the swearing man. Let's do the swearing. They cut they cut promos all the time on live TV, cussing and everything. Like, it's just the target audience. Yeah, but you don't, you don't see, think... You don't see 13-year-olds at AEW shows. Yeah, but you don't genuinely think that swearing makes or breaks a product, do you? No, I just think it's, it's edgier, it's, gotcha. so to speak. It's, it's cool to swear on TV. Like, you never heard a swear word before, dude? 
Yeah, I, I mean, and I'm actually gonna swear right now, I have background up because some f***ing asshole on the last video said I was recording in my bedroom. Yeah, I'm recording in my bedroom. You wanna know what I'm wearing too? Damn, dude. Just this hoodie. <laughs> Nothing else? <laughs> Nothing else? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Not safe for work? Yeah. Oh, dude. It's Boiler like alert. during COVID, you know, all those people were going on Zoom calls. And they're wearing suits. They're wearing they're wearing suits, dress shirts, ties, and then they're sitting in their boxers, you know? Is that is yeah. that what the slam is? Why are you looking down? <laughs> you making sure you're wearing clothes. <laughs> I had to double check, dude. Got out of yeah. the shower. It's like, let's go record, dude. It's time to record. And next thing you know, I'm no, like, I'm, oh. I'm wearing everything besides socks right now. Yeah. Woo, it's getting hot in here. All right, let's talk about WWE. Um, yeah, WWE, WWE. So, dude, actually, we got a uh, we had a super chat on my live stream the other day, and he he specifically wanted us to talk about it on the slam. And I thought this was actually a good idea because it's really hard to narrow it down to one. Um, but obviously, right now with Triple H taking over WWE, Tony Khan and AEW, there are a lot of factions now in wrestling. We're starting to see it in WWE. The Judgment Day is looking stronger with Dominic Mysterio. Which I'll just tell you right off the rip, I love that. For some crazy reason, I didn't expect it to look that great. I love it. WWE's got the Judgment Day, the Bloodline. Uh, they're they're teasing a new version of the Hurt Business now. Obviously, AEW has this new faction with Stokely Hathaway and William Morrissey and all of these people. Right? We know factions are a big part of AEW's product. We know it's a Let big part of. Right there. Hit me, dude. The hit Stokely, me. The Stokely Hathaway faction, it's just going to be another Mean Street Posse, man. You really think so? Yeah, it's going to be so damn stupid. They're going to be jobbers, man. They're going to be interfering their match. They're going to be interfering matches and getting their ass whooped. I hope not. But anyways... You think it's going to be like another retribution? I don't know. See, the thing is, Cole, the, the problem is, bro... I love the idea of retribution when it first started because I was like, yo, they're just wreaking havoc. It doesn't really matter what it is. They're re yeah. they're cutting down ropes. They're just going crazy. It was like Yeah, modern cool. day modern day Nexus. Yeah, man. And it was just like, all right, cool. Like we got something, we got a new faction. I love factions, even the dumb ones, right? And then it's like, well, what's the follow-through? I always say the follow-through is the most important thing. You could introduce something cool on TV, but if you don't follow through with it, it's not gonna work out. And uh Justin Kennington asked the question, he goes, Hey, like, what is the greatest faction in WWE history? And I, and I started thinking about it, and I'm like, dude, there were a lot of great factions, but the only faction that really sticks out to me that, like, was truly beneficial to every member involved was the Shield. Yeah, for sure. And I, I don't know, like, I don't know what it is about wrestling in 2022 because there are a lot of factions, but I just feel like they exist. And I'm starting to realize, like, as much as I love all these factions, they got to do something more than just exist. So when you actually compare this new faction with Stokely to like the, the Mean Street Posse, like I hope that's not the case because W. Morrissey has a chance to be something in AEW. He looked really good in Impact. Now he goes into AEW with this group. Ethan Page getting thrown into another group, still having yet to do anything big in AEW. I'm looking at the, the Gun Club. like They're still not really doing anything crazy in AEW. So do yeah. these factions just exist to exist and put them on TV or are these companies going to do something with them? Because one thing I will say, and this is why I choose the shield over the bloodline, the bloodline in terms of booking has actually been pretty damn strong. It's obvious that WWE is trying to make Roman Reigns the modern day Bruno San Martino, like super lengthy run, you know, all of these different things. 
But also at the same time too, when I look at the shield, and this is why I'll never change my answer on the shield, I choose it over DX, I choose it over the NWO. Every single person in that group, they did not have to be a group. You took three guys who were going to be single stars regardless. You made them into yeah. a group. It the the all very they, successful. Very successful. Even even if people want to judge Dean Ambrose in WWE, it's not like this guy was a flop in WWE. He no, had he championship wasn't. reigns. He did really well in WWE under the WWE vision of Vince McMahon. And that's where I kind of disagree with you about John Moxley going to WWE. I feel like Triple H would be able to make it work. I do. But even if you go look at his work in AEW, to go and look at the accomplishments of John Moxley, Seth Rollins, and Roman Reigns, these guys are at the very top level of their faction. We didn't see that with NWO. We didn't see that with Evolution. Actually, I lied. Evolution, we did see it. Ric Flair, Batista, Randy, Triple H. Obviously, they're. I mean, all look at the look at what, look what happened to all those guys after Evolution broke up. Besides Ric Flair, Ric Flair was already decorated. Yeah. Triple H, yeah, he was already decorated too. Yeah. <clears throat> we saw the rise of Batista. We saw yeah. the rise of Randy Orton. We saw actually the rise of Randy Orton before Batista because yeah. they had kicked him out. Yep. Um, look at Randy Orton now. One of the one of the greatest wrestler, wrestlers of all time. Look at Batista now. Yeah. Hollywood. Triple H now, the head of the company. Yeah. Ric Flair wrestling last matches. God. <clears throat> and end this show. End the show. I'm, I quit. That is the worst. Do you, did you like that? I hated it. Okay, good. The, 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 good. Only, the only thing I liked about that event, trust me, I put it on blast. Every time people ask me, hey, what do you think about it? What do you think about it? I said, I don't want, I didn't want to watch Ric Flair wrestle in the early 2000s, dude. I didn't want to watch <laughs> Ric Flair wrestle in 2022. I just wasn't a big fan of him personally. Um, but it was the one thing I will say that, that was good that came out of the event was one Conrad Thompson being able to throw a very successful event, um, that we saw people from all companies be involved. I love that in wrestling. When you could see MLW impact AEW, you know, even WWE to a certain extent, I believe a WWE production team was there. So if there was one good thing that came out of it, it was like, okay, there is a spotlight on all of this other stuff. I personally did not want to see Ric Flair wrestle. I was cringing the entire time I saw him wrestle. Um, I think I died. Like oh, he he faked he faked match. a heart attack in the ring, and then he's like, "Yeah, that probably wasn't a good idea." Like, no shit, dude. That is not <laughs> a good whole, idea. The whole angle around that match is like, yeah, if I I could turn off my pacemaker or some shit. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Yeah, <laughs> retire like the normal way. Just go on Twitter and be like, "Deuces, it was real." See or, you guys in the afterlife. <laughs> how, how many times did he retire in WWE? He retired, went to TNA, retired, comes back. Like then he got oh then and then did uh, he got mauled by Batista. And then no no no, no. And then and then you know WWE Vince McMahon whatever the hell he was thinking he decides hey I'm gonna put Lacey Evans with Ric Flair and Charlotte. It was the biggest head scratcher in the world. Then Lacey Evans announces that she's pregnant in real life yeah. or whatever. And then it's like, uh, they got this whole angle running with Ric Flair. It was just such a disaster. I don't Speaking know. Speaking of weird ass angles, dude, I was just thinking about this the other day randomly. Can you, can you, like, I can't believe they cucked Rusev the yeah. way they did. Yeah. That was so sad. Yeah. God dang it. That, that was such a weird ass, like, Rusev was time. at the was at the height in WWE. Yeah, he was at the height of his career. Yeah, you know he had broken off from the the Rusev day with um, Aiden English. Yep, and they completely just 
Like, that shit's so stupid. How, how the hell did WWE rebound from that? Because the sad thing is, too, look at Lashley, bro. L look at Lashley. Look at the type of situation he was in in that whole storyline. And yeah. it's like, now this guy is, like, actually being presented very well. Even even before Triple H took over, it was like, okay, Lashley's going to be a top guy. He won the WWE Championship. He's going to be up there. But what the hell were they thinking? And like, who the hell allows that shit to happen on TV? I mean, have you seen what the WWE has put out in the past? <laughs> of course, bro. And I get it. It goes back to being a soap opera type thing. But yeah. I think that's where I'm, I'm super thankful that Triple H has come in and he's like, hey, no, we're going to have theatrics. We're going to have characters and storytelling. And we're going to be, you know, we're going to do things like that. But we're going to make them in a more logical, more realistic way, I think. And like also, like there's going to be an emphasis on the wrestling. And I don't know. I feel like Triple H's vision is very similar to Tony Khan's, but still keeping a little bit of, of Vince McMahon's vision. And uh, that's the one thing I do like about WWE right now is because I feel like Triple H is giving me exactly what I wanted from Tony Khan and what Tony Khan was giving us at the start. But then he kind of like lost his focus. And now Triple H is like, well... Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to satisfy everybody. It's weird, bro. I, I haven't been this much in tune with WWE in years. I think the last time I enjoyed WWE this much was like 2016 SmackDown Live. They, they, I mean, they yep. were building stars. Uh, there was good emphasis on the wrestling. Mustafa sick. Ali was sick as hell. He looked like he was going to be a WWE champion. Then Brock Lesnar had to fucking ruin everything. Uh, it was what? Mox, Styles, Cena. And just those three guys, even Cena, Super Cena, uh, him and Styles had phenomenal matches. Yeah. That was 2016. When did? No, okay, 2017. I'm thinking of when Wyatt won the title at Elimination Chamber because he defended it against Randy so at I, Mania that I, year. I get a little bit weird about the timeline because I remember Jinder Mahal won the WWE Championship. I just can't remember if that was 2016 or 2017. 2016 because... um. Yeah, it had to be 2016 because it was Wyatt and what is that? April and is that WrestleMania? April Wyatt and Orton win for the title at WrestleMania 33, 2017, and then that was at the Elimination Chamber that Wyatt won. What is that? November? No, no, no. It was even it was even after that. It was like February. It's like February ish. February or early March. <clears throat> Who had the title? I think the title holder got it was Cena. Cena had the title. Um. And he got eliminated, so we were guaranteed to get a new champion. Yes. Yep. But who who did Cena beat? Was it Styles? Uh yeah, but I can think of it at Royal Rumble. When they had that five star match. The timeline's gonna fuck me up, but I do remember very clearly, like I remember Randy taking the belt off Jinder. I personally love Jinder Mahal's reign. I think it's one of the most underrated reigns. Um Good business move from WWE, but uh, I always say I met Jinder Mahal on two separate occasions. I've spoken to him uh, when I've met him at the WWE events um, when I was working like the SummerSlam thing. And I, I mean, I'll tell you right now, like I wish this guy was still getting pushed because that guy came back. That That's what like you leave WWE, you come back, you get refocused, re-energized, repackaged, re like ready to go. They gave him the Bollywood boys like they were literally doing stuff with him. And that was the one thing that was cool because I remember when he dropped the title and I remember when he dropped the title, I wasn't even mad about it. Like, it was like, cool, like let's freshen up the product even more and more and more. You start seeing people get in line. It's like, okay, cool. It's like this constant evolution of the championship pitcher. And then yeah, WrestleMania, 
Uh, and that, like, personally speaking, I thought that was all good booking. Like, I thought leading up to it, John Cena getting eliminated was like, wait, what What just happened? Like, Yeah, like, you'd think he'd be the final two. For sure. Or why it beat Styles, which is crazy to think Styles takes that pin, put over the new star. Yeah. But even that, that happened, I'm, I'm assuming that happened in, like, February. It was, like, a month after the Royal Rumble. Yeah, it's it's either early, uh, late February or early <laughs> March. I'm really, no, really bad. Fast Lane was in March. Remember Goldberg and uh and what's his name Owens? <sighs> Bad book. And then Goldberg and Lesnar at Mania. That was terrible. Because Jericho came out and screwed over Owens. Yeah, but dude, I, but here's the thing though. That was that was the last time I was interested in WWE. And I I don't like Goldberg. I didn't care for Goldberg. I, I never don't cared. Ever, don't ever disrespect Goldberg again. No man, I'm sorry. I didn't care for him growing up. As a kid watching him in WCW, I didn't care. I really didn't. I was always into like the cruiserweight God, I division. I, it's just how it was, bro. I love the cruiserweight division. I love. Yeah, they had a fire cruiserweight division, man. Billy Kidman, Rey Mysterio, Chavo Guerrero, Jamie Noble. Good times. There's there's plenty more, and I can't think of them. But the uh uh, geez, the the two guys, they were like bodyguards. They were the Japanese guys. God, what was it? Akio. I think his name with the ponytail and Sakota or something like that. I forgot who they used to back up. God, I don't know. But it's, it's floating it's over my head right now. It'll, it'll come to us at some point when it's like no longer relevant. But then you bring up the cruiserweight division, right? And this is why like, I know a lot of people didn't care for 205 Live. I love 205 Live. I love when WWE did the Cruiserweight Classic. And this that is one, where... That was good. Bro, this is, this is why I would get so pissed with Vince McMahon and the WWE. Because it's like... We all know the Cruiserweight Classic, the May Young Classic, like these things were happening because Triple H. And the sickest part about it was like, there was people who were not supposed to be signed. Hey, you're going to work this tournament, you're going to come in. And then you got Triple H coming out because people are talking about, they're chanting, sign Cedric Alexander. Triple H comes out, and next thing you know, it's like, oh shit, Cedric Alexander's coming back to the WWE. The thing is, I personally, and I, I would love to hear your opinion because we both watch MMA. But I love the idea of weight limits, weight classes in wrestling. And I know it's difficult. I know it's not always the easiest thing to pull off. But when you look at having a lightweight division or a cruiserweight division or something like that, you could still be the best in your weight class. And I feel like Triple H understands these things. But for some reason in pro wrestling, they get away from it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, think, I think weight classes in uh, wrestling. I'm a little bit indifferent because remember when Rey Mysterio was always like a cruiserweight? For sure, yeah. He goes ahead and wins the world heavyweight title at, uh, at WrestleMania 22. Yeah. Granted, that was all after what happened with Eddie, that, that build up. But, I mean, he's won, the, he's won that title a few more times after that. Um, the only time I could think about when weight classes and wrestling mattered was when, a few years ago. Might have even been more than that, but the Bucks wanted to move up from the junior yep. uh, IWGP tag belts to the heavyweight, and they remember watching Being the Elite on YouTube. I used to watch that thing; like, I was always on top of that. Yeah. But uh, they were making it like a big deal. It's like, hey, we gotta we gotta lift more weights. We gotta eat more. We gotta get built up for the for the heavyweight division, and that's like that's what made me think. Like, oh damn, this is real. Yeah. But then that was pretty cool. But like in in wrestling, I don't think. I don't know. I, I because you got these cruiserweight guys that are all jacked. Of they course. could all be heavyweight champs. 
I think they did that back in the WWF where it was um, they had like the junior heavyweight title or something like that. Yeah. Like you see guys like Taka Michinoku go for it, and I can't, I can't think of who else. I remember but, though, even even if you look at TNA, the X division, it was always like that's it, a mid, it's not even weekly; it's just mid card. But the thing is, it, it it wasn't always like that. At one point, it changed. Oh yeah, guys like Samoa Joe were going for the X division title because it was a weight class limit. There was. Joe was huge, bro. There was a point. Not, it, he's he was smaller than he is now, but it's not like. There was a point I can't remember when. Maybe I'm completely thrown off right now. Last night was rough, dude. Last night was crazy. I can't. I'm a little discombobulated right now. But I could have sworn. I could have hey, sworn. I, I got reposted last night. I by saw one the, by one of this. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, it was a good time, dude. It was a good time. You know, it, it. Yeah, I can't think right now. That was fun. I saw you got reposted. I was like, oh, shit. Isn't that cool? It, it's always cool when you get a little, little recognition. I'm famous, dude. I know. You should see what they're saying about you in the comments of episode one. Yeah, look at this fucking dork recording in his mom's basement. <laughs> they, they, they say you sound like Damien Priest. Damien Priest is a good man. I like, I like Damien Priest. I, I, I like, loved him as Punishment Martinez in ROH. I loved him when he came to WWE. I don't like him too much. Well, I, it's not his. It's not that I don't like him. I don't like his ret- uh, not retribution, the Judgment Day thing. I, I I was very indifferent about the Judgment Day when it started. Um, then they. Oh just, man, they're making Finn Balor look like a loser, dude. It's all within due time. He'll he'll get his way. There, look. I think Triple H understands what he has at stake with Finn Balor. I think it's one of the things where it just takes time. Because, again, logic applies, right? Triple H is very much about being logical and making... He doesn't want to make rash decisions on, oh, well, Vince McMahon had this going. Let's just pull it off TV. So you add Dominic Mysterio into the mix. I don't know what the plan is there. He comes in, dark, black hair, all suit. Like, he's all dressed in black. They make he's gonna him... screw them over. You think? He's going to turn on uh, Judgment Day. I think they, they need to get to an end point with the Judgment Day. They need to end it at some point. But if they do that with Dominic Mysterio within, I'm cool with it. But Judgment Day just started like three days ago. No. The Judgment Day has been around practically all year. Vince McMahon fucking... Come on, man. That ain't no damn Judgment Day, dude. That's, that's the most sloppiest faction I've ever seen in my life. That's... Speaking of factions, yeah. I don't know if I want to divide it in companies or of all time. But who are who are some of your favorite factions of all time? Some of my favorite factions. Yeah. So so the shield will always be number one. Okay. I would no be, no no particular order. Yeah, no so particular. Just name order. them out there. I mean, I, I I think it would be foolish for me not to mention Bullet Club or NWO. Yeah. Uh, it would be foolish not Wolfpack to. Wolfpack or Black and White. Both. <laughs> you have to. You can't just pick yeah. one. Um, you know, honestly, like. And it's so funny because I know I probably will get grilled for this. Main event mafia and TNA, bro. I don't give a shit what anybody says. I just love them. Yeah, yeah, that they were good. Uh, I thought you were gonna say something stupid like fortune. No that shit was whack. No, fortune was whack. Fortune was whack. Main event mafia was cool. I like I liked main event mafia. Um shit, you know, honestly, the the one that had the most potential and it just it was such bad booking was retribution. I was so excited to see Retribution because it was just so fucking crazy to me at a time, especially at a time where WWE was like, 
they don't have crowd reactions. They don't really have, they don't have an audience to cater to. So who knows how this is going to work out. But the minute that I saw it, I was like, yo, the idea is fucking like, yeah, it's a modern day version of Nexus, right? But also look at the way television is being done on a w on WWE's level. You got LED screens everywhere. Like you really don't know what people are going to think about it. And I think if there was a crowd there, I think it would have changed everything for retribution. I don't know what the, the detachment was, but clearly they did not have a plan. It was like, and, and the worst thing about retribution too, was they had them wrestle in this fucking makeup and these masks. And I'm like, how can you be so stupid? I have no problem with you having Dominic Dijak or Mia Yim or any of these people, but you're slapjack. Shane Thorne had to be called fucking slap slapjack and he's wearing a stupid ass fucking mask. I thought that was just going to be their way of revealing themselves. And then they were going not change their names. They were going to take off their masks and shit. And they were just going to have similar attire, but they're not going to be looking like fucking dumbasses. And that was the thing, bro. I swear to God, I was so pissed because I'm like, yo, this is such a great way to introduce it. Just wreak havoc. They're not picking sides. They don't care. Raw Smackdown. We're coming for everybody. But then they, they're like T bar. I'm like, what? What? And then they got a fucking, fucking uh, mace. Which, by the way, I thought he was sick. I thought Brandon Williams was sick when he was on commentary for WWE. I saw what he was doing, like, behind the scenes. But they call him Mace. And then they put him in this fucking mask. And I'm like, okay, disconnected. So the thing is, there's great factions, bro. And there's also great ideas. Like, I don't want to jump the bandwagon just yet, you know, with AEW. But I like the idea of all these guys being put together. But follow through matters. And, like, what's their reason for being there? Why are they there? You know, when they put Mustafa Ali as the uh, the leader of Retribution, I was like, yo, the hacking gimmick, all this shit, like, it, it adds up. It makes sense. But you got these guys dressed like fucking weirdos. I can't take them serious now. You should have had them wreak havoc, reveal themselves. Okay, Dijak, Mia Yim, Shane Thorne, Brandon Williams. You didn't have to fucking put them in characters from Comedy Central or fucking Cartoon Network or whatever. Like, it was such a strange thing. But yeah, when I go back to the factions, there were so many of them I loved. I wanted Retribution to work so bad because I love big factions. I love when random people are paired together and they make it work. I also loved, loved the Hurt Business. I think that is one of the more underrated groups. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this other than I love factions and I hated, I hate when I see the, the ball being dropped on them, honestly. Greatest top five faction list of all time, like ever. Ever? Yeah. Can't. No, you. I'll tell you, because I had the greatest top five ever. Let's hear it. Straight Edge Society. <sighs> Kai and Ty. Billy and Chuck. Uh, Breezango. And the BWO. All right, listen, let me explain something to you. I know when you're being serious and I know when you're trolling. But I'm not going to lie to you. Breeze Angle was the shit. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. It really was, <laughs> bro. Was so bad. The fashion police, was... bro. Tyler Breeze, they need to bring him back. I think Triple H, if they, especially, you know, I don't know what they're doing with maximum male models. I'm surprised you didn't say that one. But uh, I know they're going to go away from uh, Max Dupree. He's going to get repackaged back to LA Knight, it looks like. But, man, it would have been cool if they had Breeze Angle back. The fashion police, dude. Do you remember? Hold on. Do you remember? It was so funny, too. Do you remember when Fandango and Tyler Breeze were backstage? And I think it was, like, 
they had it was like they're wearing their fashion police stuff and they had like a, a cork board in the back and they like oh my god they had people that I don't were think so. oh i gotta find the clip i gotta send it to you they had some great ass moments where they're like with the ascension and oh speaking of the ascension and vince mcmahon dropped the ball vince mcmahon does not for a guy who loved big wrestlers he, it appears to me he hates big wrestling tag teams. He hated the Viking Raiders, the War Experience, or whatever the fuck they were the calling them. War them. Raiders. War Raiders, Viking Raiders. They were sick. The Viking Experience. He didn't like them. He didn't like the Ascension. He really didn't give a rat's ass about AOP. Vince McMahon, like, what was... Oh, my God. Oh, AOP in, in uh, NXT, dude. Crazy sick. good. Sick. The Viking so Raiders, sick. crazy good. Um... Ascension, I didn't care too much about. I wasn't too into NXT at that time. Oh, that's when NXT was the best. Hold on, maybe I'm wrong. Early days? No, I was... Early days, nah, I was... I was NXT when it was KO, uh, Kenta... 2014, 2015. Like Hideo Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. Was that when the Ascension was there? I, I don't remember when they got called up necessarily, but I started watching NXT in 2012, 2013. So it was on... I can't remember if it was on Hulu or WWE Network at that point. I think it might have been on Hulu or some shit. But one-hour episodes from Full Sail, pre-taped. Um, I mean, literally, like, any person you could think of from WWE, like, before they even... Like, Angelo Dawkins. People forget about Angelo Dawkins and his early NXT run. He was just kind of there. Yeah, he was just kind of there. He <laughs> wasn't really doing anything. They, like, repackaged him, I think, a couple times or whatever it was. But then they eventually brought him up. Then the Street Profits became a thing. That was sick. Which they grew on me. The Street Profits grew on me. Honestly, I, I love these guys. I, I don't know what it's going to take, especially with Triple H. Like Now it looks like he's like actually focusing on tag team wrestling. I don't know what it's going to take for these guys to become tag team champions right now. But uh, I would love, especially because there's like rumors of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn being paired together. Like I, like I if I'm WWE, and this is what I really want, right? And let's let's fantasy book for a second, right? It's We're closing 2022 in a few months. We're going into 2023. You could keep the belt on Roman. That's fine. The Usos at this point need to drop the belts, right? I don't think they need to keep these belts. Huh? Why? Why? Because I want to see Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I want to see no, the Street man, Profits. You just, brought up, you just brought up Solo Sokoa, man. You got to give him a mid-card title and have the whole faction have all the titles. I'm not opposed to that, dude. But do you have to unify the tag team championship belts? No, not not unify them, but like have the the whole faction needs to have a set of titles. Sure. Solo Sokoa could fight Gunther. We've seen them a little bit in NXT. We kind of no, no. I, I lied. That's bullshit because I don't want Gunther to lose his damn title reign. Oh my if, god! It's if so if, good. if it's Gunther so if Gunther lost his belt though to Solo Sokoa. It is going to an emerging star, a call up. I'm okay with that. If Gunther yeah, drops, just if, damn thing. I you don't have to do it today, brother. You can you can wait a little bit. You don't have to rush. Well, you're gonna wait till Sol Solo Sokoa has zero star power left in him. No, what you do is let it build up, build, build, build. Not just randomly dropping shit on. You know TV. what company we're talking about here? WWE, a company where Triple H values long-term storytelling, unlike the other company. Yeah. We're talking Bullshit. about we're talking about a guy who is willed. Bro, do not tell me they're not willing to build it up. I promise you right now, Triple H, if I can tell you exactly how I would describe Triple H, this is a guy that wants to build anticipation for things to happen. He is not just going to give you what you want immediately. 
That is what I think makes Triple H very, 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 very good at what he does. Because look at NXT when he was booking NXT from 2014 to 2020. Even, even I would say the last time I truly loved NXT was like 2018. That was like the end point. After that, it became a mess. Too many wrestlers, too many things happening. But if you go back and look at NXT, one of the greatest things that NXT did was build anticipation for storylines. When you look at Triple H and WWE right now, it looks like he's building anticipation for things, right? So hear me out. If you want to build a storyline, don't you don't have to put Roman Reigns with Gunther just yet. But what you could do is put Gunther with Solo Sokoa. You could have Imperium versus the Usos. This way, this makes Solo Sokoa look like he's the head of the table when Roman Reigns isn't there. Gunther is obviously the head of his table with Imperium. You give us some six-man tag matches. You could do a winner-takes-all match. Now, you have Roman Reigns starting to have a little bit of dissension in his group when you see that Solo Sokoa and the Usos, right, they can't always get the job done. Maybe they could. Maybe they can't. I Imagine, love I love Imperium too. I want Imperium to look good. What if Imperium took the tag titles off of Usos? Then you have Gunther retaining his Intercontinental Championship, right? You do a winner-takes-all match. Solo Sokoa is not part of the reason why they lost. Maybe it's Jay Uso, right? Because there's some storytelling there from historically with, with Roman. And then you can have Solo Sokoa be the one to bring the IC title to the bloodline, but for some reason the Usos fail to capture the tag titles. You can build stories like this over time. You don't have to do it right away. And that's my point with Triple H is like you can just kind of tease a little bit. You know, people like to be teased. They want to feel a little bit more, right? You don't want to just give it to them all at once. And I think that's one of the things, like even even to a certain extent, think about this. Let's look at AEW. In, in hindsight, looking back, I was completely wrong about the acclaimed losing at All Out. I was completely wrong. I said they should have given it to us. I feel like it's been long overdue. They should have won the titles. Tony Khan should have called an audible. He should have made some sort of change, right? But then what happened on Dynamite was Max Caster was about to spit his bars and Swerve interrupted him. Goat. He'll so mad he was going to say something about the suspensions. Of too. course, right? But here's oh the thing. God, here's the thing. Great moment because now it makes me want the acclaim to win it so much more. Now it's it makes me want the them. It's not the same, but now there's a reason to want them to like win, right? So at Grand Slam, they're going to get that championship match. Then you have to pull the trigger. Let's build some anticipation for it because that's what matters. You can't just do two great things and then stop doing great things. You got to keep it flowing, keep it going. So my thing is with Triple H, I feel like he's going to build anticipation for title changes, for things. He's not going to give it to you right away. He's not going to give it to you right away. But that's going to keep you hooked and watching. Look at Dexter Loomis and The Miz. Dexter Loomis could have come in. Oh God, I love Dexter. Vince, <laughs> I love this this is actually a great example. In my head, this is a great example. If Vince McMahon was running the Dexter Loomis angle, Dexter Loomis would have showed up on Raw, got handcuffed, and then the next week, oh, Dexter Loomis is going to have a match, right? Triple H instead was like, no, no, no. Dexter Loomis is going to get, he's going to try to get in. Then he can't get in. He's going to go again. He can't get in. Now he's going to NXT to continue a storyline with Indy Hartwell. By the way, as he's walking to the back, the police are waiting for him at the door. There is continuity. That was what made me more excited about Dexter Loomis's return because it wasn't rushed. Triple H is making you kind of, he's kind of teasing you with something. It's about to happen. And then when you think it's going to happen, it doesn't happen. Then what happens? We get that steel cage match. And sure enough, they get that infamous shot with, with Dexter Loomis standing right there looking up. And Miz is right there. And it's like, okay. <laughs> that was so cool. 
That's like, a, that, that, it was so stupid, but it was awesome. It's stupid, but what made it cool? The fact that throughout the weeks, they were building some sort of anticipation with Dexter Loomis. We all know that, like, we all know, one, he signed to the WWE. Two, yeah. we know that he's going to show up on Raw in some capacity. How are they going to do it? And each week, they find creative ways to do something. Dexter Loomis standing in the side as a security guard, right? And then you look back again, they show a different frame. He's gone. He appears, he randomly disappears. Again, it's these subtle things where it's like, okay, what are they trying to do with Dexter Loomis? There's a little bit of mystery here. There's a little bit of intrigue here. I'm telling you, this is where, and, and I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it. I don't care what people think when I say this. I believe Triple H has saved WWE. I believe from all aspects, creative, business, everything. Clash at the Castle was a success. WWE and Raw, uh, WWE, Raw, NXT, and SmackDown, there's continuity on all three shows. Titles mean something. You're getting women's matches that are a lot longer that are good. You're getting men's matches that are a lot longer and good. For once, it feels like the shows are actually all on the same level. And on top of that, there's like a formula that Triple H is using. Because there's continuity through all three shows, the flow, the pace, everything feels like it means something. And the best part is he doesn't have to do something every single week like crazy advertising or he doesn't have to like make something a big deal. He's basically selling you on the story aspect and then within the storytelling, hey, you guys are going to watch good wrestling matches. And that is something like, you know, I, and I, I hate saying this, but AEW's level of interest increased because of drama. It wasn't because MJF's storytelling. It wasn't because of Wardlow's storytelling. It wasn't because of Thunder Rosa's storytelling or John Moxley or anything like that. People were talking about AEW because of drama being associated with it. I watched Dynamite and I said, wow, this was some. This was a pretty damn good episode. I'm very intrigued to see what they do with Jamie Hayter. I'm, ex I'm excited to see what they do with Wardlow. I'm excited to see what they do with all of these people, right? Now, AEW needs to keep doing that on a week-to-week -week basis without drama, without signings, without returns. Because WWE will do these returns, but WWE is not leaking the returns. Triple H isn't sitting on Twitter with the returns. Yes, Meltzer, Sean, somebody might come out and be like, okay, WWE's in talks with this person or this person. But WWE, Triple H is not telling you, hey, you should watch Monday Night Raw tonight because it's going to be a must-see episode because maybe somebody is going to arrive here in Cleveland. Yeah, I don't you know? like that. I hate that shit. We know that people are going to join WWE. We know people are going to join AEW. We're not stupid. We're all privy to this information. But how can you do it in a way that's clever? Johnny Gargano was also a great example. He says he didn't show up in Cleveland because he knew everybody expected it. So what did he do? He had a return on a random-ass night at a random-ass time period, and it went off. And now we got to see what Triple H is going to do with Johnny Gargano for it to feel special and feel good. How do you feel about uh, Raw tonight? You think we're going to get any returns or anything? I don't know if I'm expecting returns. The one thing that, that really, and I, actually I would love to talk to you about this because it, it is Triple H's era now. Um, I think Bray Wyatt is the next person. Um, I think he shows up tonight. I, I can see that very well being the case. Uh, I also think, um, you know, and it, it, it intrigues me so much. There's been a lot of talk about Tennille Dashwood, Emma. Yeah, I saw that too. And uh, I've been talking about it on my channel. And, you know, I think right now when you look at pro wrestling and you look at AEW and WWE, I think she's a great asset literally for either company. But because of Triple H finally having that creative power, I feel like he can do some really good stuff with her. She doesn't have to be Emma Lena. She doesn't have to be this like over the top thing. She could just be Tennille Dashwood, come into WWE, 
Bianca Belair has like an open challenge. I know a lot of people are expecting Bailey. Um, I would, I would, be, I would totally be cool with Tennille Dashwood coming in in that spot. But to, as Tennille or Emma, personally speaking, just because I like the way she was presented in Impact, I think it would be better to be Tennille Dashwood. Um, if you're WWE and you don't want to, if if you kind of want to. You don't want to ignore her history as Emma either. I mean, yeah. when she was in NXT, you like when people talk about the women's evolution, like realistically, bro, a lot of that stemmed from Emma, Paige, Bailey, Charlotte, Sasha Banks, you know, uh, Becky Lynch, like in NXT. So, what about, speaking of like that repackaging with the names, yeah, what do you, how do you feel about Braun Strowman coming back as Braun Strowman and not Adam Sure? So I'll explain. I'll I think give, I think I would have I would have accepted it as Adam Sure too. Yeah, so I'll explain to you. So uh, with Emma, you can always do Emma Dashwood if you wanted to, right? Um, if you're Braun Strowman, you have to be Braun Strowman. And the only reason why I, I, I say that is because if you look at his return, within 13 hours of his clip being posted on YouTube, it was at like 1.3 to 2 million views. So Braun Strowman's name carried a lot of value. And I won't lie to you, that was actually one blunder I thought Triple H made. I understood the point that they were trying to do with him coming back and taking out these tag teams and everything, but it also devalued the shit out of your tag team division at a time where you're trying to get people to take tag team wrestling serious, you know? Yeah, and then there was no winner at the end of it. Yeah, and that that's like, I hate that stuff. And I felt like that was kind of like a Vince McMahon move. I get why they did it. I understand why what they're trying to do with Braun Strowman. They're trying to right the wrongs of Vince McMahon. Um, I will say, though, Braun Strowman looks absolutely incredible. Incredible uh, shit. Yeah, and and I don't know what the hell is happening with CYN. My guess is, you know, it's, it's not no going. Go. In, it's a no go, right? We've seen companies come and go. I understood their concept. I understood what they were trying to do. I personally wasn't a fan of it. Um, I always welcome the idea of new companies coming into the industry. I think it's good for wrestling in general. But to me, that just that served as a very small niche that wasn't going to grow. Um, and it sucks because I think like EC3. A lot of potential in WWE. Vince McMahon kind of dropped the ball, right? Karrion Cross, WWE dropped the ball. Braun Strowman, I mean, I don't want to say WWE dropped the ball, but towards the end of his career, it was like, okay, this guy is no longer going to be a big threat that's destroying monster trucks and ambulances and shit. This is a guy that's going to be, uh, you know, he, what is he doing? The choo-choo train bullshit. They added the sound effect during COVID era. Like, I wasn't for that. So in that way, I feel like they dropped the ball. If you're WWE, they, they, they couldn't draw, dude. They could CYN couldn't draw. Um, Saturated market speak, too. Yeah, but speaking of not drawing, you see that uh, boxing fight a few days ago. Yeah, Saturday was it? Le'Veon Bell and Adrian Peterson. Yeah, so it was headlined. Thousand capacity arena, and yeah. they only sold two hundred tickets. It's uh, I always say, just because you got the numbers doesn't mean it equates to to money. It doesn't mean you know you can be an influencer and. Um, you can be an influencer. They had what was it, Austin McBroom, and and I forgot the other guy's name. Um, Gib something Gib. Yeah, look, man, that kind of stuff. Especially when I think about it, it's like some of those guys. I, I get what they're trying to do. I respect it, right? I think it's cool. Like you're trying to come together and put on an event. But uh, there's levels to this shit. There's a reason why Logan Paul's in the WWE. There's there's a reason why Jake Paul's fighting Anderson Silva. There's a yep. reason why the the number one fight promoter in, in MMA. Is talking about Jake Paul and not talking about these other cats. Um, which, I mean, realistically, WWE, for WWE, had that event been popular, like let's say 
Austin McBroom and that Gib guy. Like, imagine that event completely sold out 20,000 tickets. Like, if I'm WWE, the first thing I would do is try to figure out who is the one that's bringing in that audience because I would bring yeah. them into WWE. Because WWE, more than likely, comparatively to, to AEW, I feel like WWE would be like, okay, hey, let's have you on an episode of Raw. Let's have you, uh, let's have you knock out Austin Theory. You know, just some shit like that. Like, because that, if you're WWE, that's what you try to do. You try to appeal to a mass audience, right? Um, I seen that type of event. To me, it wasn't like the, the KSI event, which actually now that kind of gets me thinking. What do you think about the potential idea of KSI coming to the WWE? No, it's just too stale. I don't think he's got that. I mean, he's got that personality. He's got the internet personality with like the sidemen, yeah. a little groupie duh, he has. It's just, I don't know. I don't think he transitions well into wrestling. You don't think so? No. No, I can't think of anybody. Logan Paul, that's it. But he's like so, so out there. He's so, he's so charismatic. But like it. No, man. Even like Bad Bunny. He, I don't know how he transitioned well, but that worked. That worked. They was kind of just like a shoot for the stars, whatever. Just let's run with it. But this one with uh, KSI, I don't think that 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 goes anywhere, man. But what are your thoughts on outsiders he's coming in? He's funny, but he's not. Well, it just it depends on the uh, the charisma, man. You could bring in Jake Paul. Yeah. You could bring in Conor McGregor. You could bring in a whole like a few, quite a few people. But the, some some people just lack charisma. Okay, so now I, I want to give you. Bad Bunny has the charisma, but he has the a phenomenal uh, wrestling ability. Yeah. So what do you think of uh, this idea of UFC? Because we saw Jorge Masvidal in AEW. I loved it. Yeah. We, we talked about this before. Like Masvidal in AEW was cool. But if you're looking at WWE and you're looking at the... Let's, let's talk about UFC for a second. Um, like Amanda Nunez. Like, do you think like there would ever be a career for her in WWE? Or maybe even Chris Cyborg, who we've known historically has had a little bit of interest with wrestling and, and she kind of pays attention to it. Like... Is there anybody Absolutely. that you look at in UFC that could come into WWE right now and be successful? Absolutely not. Maybe Colby Covington. Really? Maybe Colby, Colby Covington. It was kind of sick when uh, we were watching Clash at the Castle. They had Leon Edwards backstage talking to Liv Morgan. Then they, they showed yep. him in the crowd with the UFC title. Um, it, it, it intrigues me, man, because there are some personalities in UFC some of them aren't the biggest names, which is, I mean, for WWE to do it to make sense, they need to be big names. But I look at, like, uh, bro, we were watching that fight with uh, Chris Barnett. Like, this guy, I love this guy. He's dancing. Yeah, but he, he's, he's got charisma. He's got a personality, but he can't transition over, man. I'm not saying him specifically. But no, I know, I know. But yeah. that's, like, even if he was, like, a huge name, he couldn't, he couldn't cross over. Um, so on, the only name that you could think of is Jorge Masvidal. Colby. Or Colby, okay. Oh, yeah, my bad. So Colby Covington, you don't think Masvidal? He's, he's a wrestler. Yeah. No. What is Masvidal going to do? He already did what he had to do in AEW. And, and that, that was, was it. One little tiny stint. Like, it didn't mean anything. Do you think it's too late for Daniel Cormier to come into WWE? Yeah. It should have happened right when he retired. So what? Have, so now that Pat McAfee's done... Uh, temporarily. No, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's temporarily. He's done temporarily, I think, until January or March is when the college game day ends. Um, would you bring Daniel Cormier to be a commentator with Michael Cole? I don't see that happening. Why? Because of because the UFC really... This is Dana White, man. 
It's Dana White. He won't allow it. Yeah. He's going to want to cut. He's going to want to cut himself from it. Interesting. Yeah. So let's, I want to revert back to Bray Wyatt. Because we talked about Bray Wyatt. And you think he's coming back possibly tonight. There's a lot. No, of, that's just me doing shits and giggles. I don't know. I would for like sure. to see him. For back sure, tonight, yeah. There, there's a lot of talk about it, right? Um, with with Bray Wyatt under Triple H's regime, like how how would you look at it from like a creative standpoint? Like what exactly? What like if you were fantasy booking? Because right now there's a lot of stuff happening. A lot of big returns. You got Roman holding the belt. Like where do you put Bray Wyatt in WWE in 2022? Uh, well, first we need one of the titles to be, um, not vacated, but Roman to lose one of the titles. Do something with, with that first. Then bring in Bray Wyatt, have him go in a feud against Karrion Cross. I think those two would mix in really, really well. Bray and Karrion. Yeah. Do you think... Because Karrion's got that little dark feel, you know? Yeah. If, I don't know, maybe he comes back as the Fiend or just Wyatt. Either or, I mean, Wyatt's pretty dark. The Fiend is disturbing as hell. Yeah. Imagine Firefly Funhouse versus Carrion uh, Cross's little cryptic stuff he's got going on. Dude, this is where sports entertainment is sick. This is yeah. where I love sports entertainment when you find ways to be creative. Because Carrion Cross is, to me, he's a storyteller. He's naturally good at it. But it's like the way that they ended SmackDown with him and Drew McIntyre. I don't know if you saw it, but. Uh, Solo Sokoa, Drew McIntyre. Like, I hate DQ finishes. This is just, like, one of those where it's, like, everybody's protected and you get carrying cross to end the show, choking them out, the feed cuts out, like, all of these different things. That's where I think Bray Wyatt would be, like, really good with carrying because it's, like, when you mentioned Firefly Funhouse, what do you think, and I, and I talk about this a lot, but what do you think about the idea of Bray Wyatt kind of doing, like, a Mick Foley, three faces of Foley thing? You know, he had Cactus Jack, dude, love. Like, what if you had Bray Wyatt basically bring, like, his Swamp character from NXT, his traditional Bray Wyatt character, his Firefly Funhouse character, and then you have The Fiend, who, it's kind of like Demon Balor, right? You only use it when you really, really want to make a statement. You kind of protect that character. And you still lose when you use it. Well, that was Vince McMahon's issue, right? Vince McMahon devalued him. This is why I keep telling you, Triple H saved WWE, because Triple H won't let that shit slide, dude. He's going to make mistakes. I'm not going to sit here. You should only keep the two, the Fiend and the... The Fiend ties in with the Firefly Funhouse. It ties in with that and his regular on-screen persona. Would you have him come out with a new mask? Mm -hmm. No. You wouldn't. You would have him come back to the same thing. Yeah. I disagree. Maybe incorporate like a Texas Chainsaw... um, apron okay yeah i see what you're saying keep the mask but make it a little bit more scary i didn't like the the striped pants the red and black stripes i didn't like that either to me it looked more of like an evil clown type of thing yeah i didn't like that we just keep to keep an apron it looks it looks pretty scary i i feel like it's so crazy man 2022 has been such a whirlwind of wrestling and the idea the idea that triple h is gonna i mean He's going to make mistakes. There's no such thing as a perfect promoter. I say this. Even when Tony Khan's really good, he's going to make mistakes. You just can't let your mistakes be louder than the achievements. And, and, and sometimes I feel like that's one of the issues with AEW right now. And I feel like 
That was a lot of the issue with Vince McMahon. It wasn't like Vince McMahon was writing shitty television all the time. It was just, it was the shitty stuff always outweighed the good stuff. Cody Rhodes' return was magnificent, great booking. Him and Seth Rollins was incredible storytelling. But then it's like you still have, a, you have a three-hour show and two and a half hours of it is still relatively like, eh. You yeah, know? That's, that's three hours is a lot, man. Um, I don't know how I'm going to do it later. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I dread Mondays, man. It's a lot easier with Triple H because the pace isn't as bad. You don't you don't get a whole bunch of replays and a whole bunch of video packages, so that definitely helps. Um, it just, we'll see how it goes, obviously. I know uh, we had a comment from Ashton. He, he left a comment on our YouTube video, and I, and I actually want to talk about this just because I think it's super interesting to hear your perspective. Um, who do you think is the worst booked in AEW? And who do you think is the worst booked in WWE? Mm. AEW. Fuck, I can't think. I have no idea. But I think your mic went. Your, uh, We're good. Keep going. Went. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can start with WWE, maybe. Uh, the worst booked, probably like now, right as of right now, or like ever, just right now. Finn Balor, really? Because of the Judgment Day? Oh, just in general. Just in general. Yeah. Um. Or maybe okay. If you're talking about right now, then uh, fuck. I don't know. You put me in a good spot. I have to think of. I love this question. When when Ashton wrote this, I was like, I definitely want to talk about that. Because in AEW, Brian Danielson, and, and I know a lot of people are going to hate that. They're going to disagree with me. But I picked Brian Danielson mainly because I feel like he should have been a world champion by now. And the fact that no, he's in a group. Adam Page. Okay, yeah, Adam Page. Yeah, Hangman. Yeah, you can you can put that. At least at least Brian's at least like in a focal point of his group. But Hangman definitely got. Actually, Wardlow. No. Wardlow. 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 No, Wardlow's, Wardlow's on TV all the damn time, man. Doesn't have good matches and good opponents, but you haven't been watching enough. He hasn't really been. It's all squash matches, man. What is there to watch? You blink and it's over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like right there. You just watched another Wardlow match. <laughs> there you go. Stereo. What is it? Powerbomb Symphony. Yeah, I love that shit though. That's cool. Wreak havoc. Yeah. So, w did I give you my WWE answer? I'm still a little discombobulated from last night. I don't think so. Yeah, WWE's worst booked. Wow, that's it's tough. I do feel Ray. like a, Ray. No, no, because he's got the storyline. I mean, he's booked. Uh, Ricochet. I'd say Ricochet. Him or Mustafa yeah. Ali. I, I don't feel like they're, they're being booked regularly or properly. Ricochet went to NXT, had an amazing storyline there, but yeah. as far as main roster stuff, it's not like uh, anything Oh, crazy. okay, yeah. As far as that goes, it's pretty trash. Yeah. Um, man, I miss Cesaro. He's also not been booked very well in AEW. No, I miss Cesaro, not Cesaro. Claudio. Claudio, yeah, Cesaro. I thought Cesaro was going to take that title off of Roman. Would have been sick. I miss, I miss the bar. They were so good. 
They were so good. That best of seven match that they had. Yeah. Or whatever. I don't even know. It was like best of something, but like. I told you, man. Pure entertainment. This is awesome. This is pro wrestling at its finest. It's not like Vince McMahon had terrible writing all the time. He had some good stuff, dude. That is very true. That was one of those good things. And then Triple H comes in, saves the day. He literally saves WWE. He has, uh, he's got Gunther and Sheamus having classics, like, and they're building more and more. And then Pete Dunne is kind of back. They're still calling him Butch, but they're, they're kind of reverting back to the Pete Dunne appearance and stuff. So it's, I don't know, man. It's a wonderful time to be a fan of wrestling. I'll be honest with you. I think regardless, there's a lot of things happening. But in AEW, it's kind of funny because I said Brian Danielson because he hasn't won the championship. I feel like uh, Blackpool Combat Club is so cool. And I, I love the storyline with him and Jericho and Daniel Garcia. I absolutely love it. But I just feel like it's kind of beneath Brian Danielson to be doing these types of things. Um, and then Hangman, you're right, Hangman. Like, they, what the hell happened there? I don't know. It's just a weird situation. But, um, yeah, man, it's just a lot of things happen in wrestling. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of bad. But, like, that's one thing about us wrestling fans. We just keep watching it. We don't even, like, we'll talk about the bad shit, and it's like, all right, time to watch it again. Yeah, it's time to, yeah, yeah, time to be miserable, you know? I take pride in being miserable. Nice, man. Well, I think we're going to call it an episode, man. Yeah. Episode two of the slam. Any last words you got for the for the fans? Uh, for the fans, in case you didn't like my, I'm going to hear a comment about something about this background. They're going to tell me to switch it to something else. <laughs> Leave me alone, man. Let me record in my basement. Stop burying me. Record in my bedroom. He's recording in his mom's basement, dude. It's what can you do, man? <sighs> nice, dude. My boy hates me. You're getting buried on the slam. Episode two, the camera goes off. We're cutting the feed. We'll see you all it's next Bray time. Ray Wyatt. Ray Wyatt's returning. No, 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 no. Oh my god. <laughs> all right. Later, guys. Peace. See you guys. Have a great day.